Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Podcast, a proud member of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. I'm your host today, Pete Ball, joined as always by Chad Young. You can follow the show at, at Keep or Cut. You can follow me at, at PP Baseball, and you can follow Chad at, at Chad Young because I'm sure Chad has a lot to say on his Twitter account about the uh, massive Guardians trade today. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna dive into that, Chad. But a quick like, how are we feeling? You know, I I'm, I've got mixed feelings on this one. It's a uh... I mean, put, put simply, like, I love Kyle Manzardo. He is absolutely a good fit for the team. They've got to figure some stuff out around, like, they have two first basemen slash DH already. And so they got to figure out where he fits. But, like, Josh Bell can be dealt with. I'm not worried about that. Like, that's fine. But this is a team that has, you know, their, their five-man rotation to start the season was Shane Bieber, who's on the IL until at least mid-September. Tristan McKenzie came in late, didn't even start the year, but should have. And he's on the IL for a little while longer. Cal Quantrill, who's on the IL. Zach Plesak, who they just jettisoned into the void. And Savale, who they just traded. So, like, that was supposed to be, that was it. That was the rotation, right? That was who it was supposed to be. And obviously, like, Bybee and Gavin Williams and Logan Allen, like, guys have stepped up. But, like, they just went out and acquired... Noah Syndergaard because they need people to eat innings and they're a half game out in the division and got rid of their most reliable starting pitcher at this point. Um, And so from that perspective, it, it hurts a little bit because it's like, this is like, I don't think there's any other way to put this. This is a step back for 2023. Manzardo's on the IL this year. They don't really have room for him. Like, even if they decide like he's better than Bell, we're calling him up tomorrow and like getting him going. He's not like a huge, it's, it's not a game changing upgrade because he's replacing like Bell's been good lately. And so he's replacing one of the few good bats in the lineup. So like, it's just, and, and in exchange for that, like they've got to figure out what they're doing with the rotation. So I, I'm, it's a step back this year. Now, Deadline hasn't happened yet. Well, by the time you're listening, the deadline's happened. But as of right now, it's, you know, it's Monday afternoon. The deadline hasn't happened yet. Maybe they move Bell and get another pitcher back. Like, who knows what's, things could still happen. But if it's a little bit of a bittersweet feeling because I love this deal long term. And I'll feel really good about it as of, you know, spring training. But as of right now, it's a little bittersweet. A little bittersweet. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It's always tough to, like, see your team packing it up at the trade deadline. I'm hoping my team doesn't do that, but I don't think anybody knows what the uh, what the Red Sox are going to be doing. We'll dive more into that, especially the Manzardo side. And, uh, you know, we, we are looking long-term, so today is all about the trade deadline. A um, little bit of a, a teaser for what we're going to talk about today. And and this is long-term, new leagues. But, I mean, hey, 
goes long-term and not new leagues are in the thick of it right now. So what are the impacts of these trades? And before we do that, today is episode 110. So we're going to look at MLB players who wore the number 10. And even though he's not the career war leader at the position, and he's actually not close, he's, he's more than 20 war behind the guy in first place. To me, this is Chipper Jones. What do you think, Chad? I think it's because the guy in first place is Lefty Grove, who predates uh, both of us by a long, long <laughs> like quite a bit. number of years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, Grove, great baseball name, though. It is. It's a great name. But yeah, Grove, like he pitched in the, the 30s and into the early 40s. Yeah, it, it was a long time ago. So neither of us are super familiar with him. And then when you look at guys who like we might be more familiar with, I mean, the best number 10 in my lifetime that I remember playing is either Andre Dawson or Gary Sheffield. Other than Chipper, other than Chipper. Um, I should have, yeah. And so, yeah, from that perspective, like Chipper stands out for sure. Yeah, no doubt. I do have to give Andre Dawson a shout out, not because I ever watched him play. I was two years old when he was on the Red Sox, apparently, but he is disgusting in MLB The Show. So I, I haven't been able to keep up with the most recent The Show. I bought it and I've played it literally like four times or something. But uh, when I played it, his legendary card was uh, was pretty, pretty awesome. So, Chad, we got a lot of trades to dive into here. And I, I want to give folks some context. We're recording on Monday, July 31st. And I'm going to give you the time. It is exactly 8 p.m. Because trades are starting to come in hot and heavy. So some of this stuff could change. We may have to add to this list as we are recording, which would be really exciting. Hopefully it's a Red Sox trade. Um, <laughs> but as of this moment, there's some big names that haven't been moved, but plenty of names that have. And let's jump right into it with what I think was the first trade, at least the first significant trade that took place, where I'm going to kind of connect three different items here. So the Angels made two trades and they made headlines with a decision. And so we're going to we're going to look at all three here together because they brought in Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez and they brought in Randall Grichik and CJ Crone. So four pretty good major leaguers. You can debate Ronaldo Lopez, but I think you and I both like him coming out of the pen. And they decided to go for it in Shohei Otani's walk year, despite being like, I don't know, it was like three games out of the wild card at the time. Now, I don't I don't know if this is a hot take or not. I think this is absolutely positively the correct move for this organization um I, I i think teams pack it in too easily in mlb it's easy right because there's so many players in the farm systems to just bring in young talent and say like ah we gave it the old college try but this guy was gonna leave anyway and instead bringing in players to supplement those superstar players um, and i think this is also the angels saying like hey you know, everybody's talking about the Mets. Everybody's talking about the Dodgers, the Giants. We want to bring back Shohei Otani, and we want to show him that we're committed to winning. So I think this is a a, a good move for the organization, a good move to the fans, and, and I'm now cheering for the Angels. I want to see them make the postseason. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody should want to see the Angels make the postseason, except for maybe, you know, the couple of teams, like, and maybe this includes you, right? Like, Boston right now is one of the teams ahead of them. So... You know, you can make a case that you should be cheering against them. But like, regardless of how you feel about the Angels as an organization, you know, assuming Trout gets healthy, Trout and Shohei in the postseason, like everybody should want that. Every baseball fan should want that. So hopefully we get that. As far as whether it's the right move, I mean, I think what this tells me is that when they were still open to trading him, what they were hearing from teams was, 
yeah, he's Shohei Otani, but he's a rental. Here's what we'll give you for two months of Shohei Otani. And they were like, this isn't going to help our organization anyways. It's not going to move the needle. And I think from that perspective, then this becomes the obvious move because you, you go out, you bring in some, some players and like, you know, Giolito is fine. He's been decent this year. Uh, he wasn't as bad as he was last year. He's not, hasn't been as good as he is this year, but he's, he's a perfectly solid starting pitcher and they needed that. CJ Crone could be a huge upgrade for them, especially with Jared Walsh hurt now, right? Or DFA'd? Did he get DFA'd? They let him go. DFA'd. So like they needed help there. Grichuk can help in the outfield or at DH. Like they, they, they need help and they're, they're getting it. And so, from that perspective, I think it makes sense. And I think if you look at the long term for them, whatever they were going to get back for a rental Otani is not nearly as valuable to them long term as potentially convincing Otani to stay. Right. And I think, you know, it's easy to look at this and be like, wow, they just went for it. And if they still don't make the postseason, Otani's definitely going to walk. Right. Like it's easy to think that. But I'm not sure it's entirely true. I think that, you know, they show a commitment to him and to the, and to the fans and to getting stuff done. And like, that does speak volumes to players. Like we hear players every year at the trade deadline, talk about how it emotionally feels to see these trades get made one way or the other. Right. You hear guys every year on teams that are like, I mean, look, we, we just saw, we're going to talk about Max Scherzer in a minute. We just saw like the Mets traded David Robertson and Max Scherzer was like, I need to have a conversation with the front office. Like players react to this stuff. And we've seen numerous times where teams go out and get reinforcements and the players are like, this organization believes in us and they think that we can get this done. And like that matters. And so I think there is a possibility. I'll say this. I think that these trades made it more likely they keep Otani, even if they don't make the postseason. If they do make the postseason, especially if they make a postseason run, it could fundamentally change the way this offseason plays out. Now, I still think they're a little bit of a long shot to get to have him stay. But I think if your other choice was a couple of, you know, non-organization changing prospects, then this is a better bet. This is a better bet. Take your shot. Without question. I don't think any of those prospects, at least at this point in time, look like they're, you know, altering the future of the Angels franchise. And, you know, the Angels are not the favorite to sign him this offseason, I'll, I'll grant everyone that, but this is an organization that went out and signed Josh Hamilton to a crazy contract, that signed CJ Wilson to a crazy contract, that signed Albert Pujols to it. Now, <laughs> I'm reading off a lot of contracts that didn't pan out, right? But it's not an organization, most recently Anthony Rendon, right, that has shied away from making a big splash to, to being competitive. Now, like, yeah, the Dodgers are probably going to try and throw a half billion at him, um, and, and they're going to have to compete with that, but. If he enjoys it there, and and like you said, he he views a commitment to winning, I, I could absolutely see him returning. And I don't only, think it's out of the cards. We only really have one even semi-reasonable comparison, which is Trout. And he has consistently made the decision to stay in L.A. with the Angels. Right. So, I, yeah, I, I think I, I like what they're doing. I think they're better off shooting their shot and trying to get him back than they are cashing in and like, yeah, you look at the prospects they gave up. I, I think Edgar Cuero, who they gave up in the Giolito and Lopez deal is, is the most interesting, you know, as we, we pivot this back to sort of keeper leagues and fantasy, like Cuero is not a guy I'm rushing out to pick up in these leagues. Like none of these prospects are on my radar from a fantasy perspective, 
Nope. And, and so, you know, that doesn't necessarily matter to the Angels, but it says at least a little something. The other, the, the players they got, I also think like, you know, Giolito probably gets a little bit of a boost getting out of Chicago. That, that park is is not a great park to pitch in, but it's not enough to really change the way I view him. Obviously, Crone and, and Grichuk, like this, this sucks for them short term, yeah. right? Leaving quarters is never a good thing for a fantasy player. Um, I think the reality is none of the players involved in this trade, these trades have much fantasy impact as far as I'm concerned this year, next year. It's just, it is what it is. Yeah. I, I, I definitely don't think there's much positive fantasy impact. I do agree with you about, about Crone and Gritchick, especially Gritchick. Gritchick was hitting, I think it was three. I just looked at it. Three thirty six at home. And then I, a perfectly fine, like two eighty on the road or something like that. But Clearly boosted by cores. The playtime will be there though now with Taylor Ward out the rest of the season. I will, you know, point out that CJ Crone started his career with the Angels, so maybe there's a little bit of a level of comfortability. We've certainly seen guys get moved before and it takes them a while to get comfortable, but you know, Crone's been there, done that. So if he's been your first baseman, hopefully he can be okay. But uh yeah, that that hurts leaving cores. And we've talked a lot about the fact that when guys leave cores, like there's an adjustment period, but that once they adjust back, like you don't have the, the drastic home road splits anymore. Like there's some benefit there. And we've seen plenty mm-hmm. of guys leave cores and be just fine. Uh, For right? sure. I mean, DJ LeMahieu has fallen off, but he didn't fall off when he left cores. Nolan Arenado has been Nolan Arenado. So like, you know, let, it, don't, if anything, like there's an opportunity here, I think to maybe buy low in keeper leagues on Crone. If he, if, if, his manager is like, oh, he left cores and now he's got no value, blah, blah, blah. Like maybe he gets cut and you can pick him up. Maybe you can buy low because leaving cores is not a death sentence. It's not a good no. thing, but it's not a death sentence. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. It's it's almost like when a prospect like busts right at the start, right? It's like, all right, just because he may not be the player we we thought he was, he could still be really good. I, I like that yeah. call. Kind of like what we talked about with Henry Davis a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so moving on to the next big deal, and this one could end up being the, the biggest trade of the deadline, particularly because I, I, I'm a believer in the Rangers, man. I, I just think they're good. Um, they got to talk like the kids. They got that dog in them, you know, that Marcus Semien, Martin Maldonado, thing the other night and and Semyon just rubbing his nose in it I, I loved that um so the Rangers got Max Scherzer and the Mets got Luis Angel Acuna the younger brother of Ronald Acuna uh, I'm gonna be upfront with our listeners I don't know much about Luis Angel Acuna I do know he was a top 50 prospect on MLB pipeline so that's something to keep you know your your eyes on and, and listen to guys like Chris Clegg and Matt Heckman who we've had on the, the show in the past but Scherzer going to the Rangers I mean I don't know where you at with Scherzer. All the signs kind of point that he's he's clearly on the decline here. Um, but the dude is a competitor. Uh, I think the win potential is going to be there. They're gonna they're gonna ride him six seven innings probably every night. What do, what do we think? I'm excited about Scherzer in my short term leagues. This gives me a little bit of hope that he'll get some boost here. Yeah, I, I think that he. I mean, it's easy to look at the Rangers and be like, well, why don't you just rebuild the Mets of the last couple of years? That'll <laughs> that'll work out great for you. So far, um, so bad. Yeah, Scherzer, Scherzer has not been good this year. I don't think there's any any way around that. I do think that he is a guy who, even when he's not pitching well, if the Rangers are like, look, you're throwing seven innings tonight, he'll go out there and throw them seven innings. And their bullpen, like they've tried to get some reinforcements, so their bullpen's not very good. And they don't have a ton of other reliable pitchers to to push deep into games. 
So I, I actually think statistically, like from a wins perspective, this this could help because he goes deep into games. They're going to score a lot of runs. But I think they might let him out, like leave him out there to just take some runs on when he's out of gas in some cases, which okay. could end up hurting his rates. Um, he might get more strikeouts and more wins, but I think it could end up hurting his rates. So, yeah, I, I think that's sort of where I am. I think this – I don't know what this does for his keeper value. The reality is that the price he probably costs, he's not a keeper anyways. And the mm-hmm. fact that, like, this is a pretty good park to pitch in and it's going to be a, you know, a good team to pitch for next year, it seems – um, cause he did get his contract is, is guaranteed now. Right. That was part of this deal was that his option is he picked up his option. Uh, he has a player option. Yeah. It does say I'm looking at his fan graphs player page and it says here that he waived his opt out when he made, uh, the, when he accepted the trade. So waiving that opt out, I mean, let's be clear here. It was a $43.3 million salary. He would have to turn down next year. He wasn't turning that down anyways. Nobody's like, he couldn't get if he if you were a free agent right now. I'm not sure he gets that over a two or three year deal, let alone one. It's hard to tell, right? Because it, Verlander would be the comp, but Steve Cohen is such an outlier that like there's there's really nothing to compare. Well, it and to. Verlander was coming off a good season. That's true. And Scherzer's too. Yeah. not right. So, I, you know, I, I don't think like now we know where he's going to be next year, but we sort of knew anyways, because he was going to pick it up with the Mets. I don't think this is like a massively improved landing spot. And I just, I don't think he's likely to be a keeper anywhere. On the other hand, uh, I think this is very interesting for Acuna because he is, he's a really interesting prospect. He's super interesting for fantasy. Uh, Dude's got 42 stolen bases this year. He stole 40 last year. He's still not even as good as his brother. No, that's true. He's not his brother. (laughs) Um, But 42 stolen bases, seven home runs. Like there's a little bit of pop there. It's not a ton, but his offensive production, like he's in double a, he's 21 years old. Like, and he's got a 121 WRC plus. Is that right? Yeah. 121 WRC. Like he is well above league average being relatively young for the league. There's a lot to like in this profile. He's also a middle infielder and the Rangers are sort of loaded up, not just in middle infield, but across the infield, right? I mean, you couldn't move him to third base with Young there. He's not playing, he's not supplanting Seager or Simeon anytime soon. So you're starting to look at like, what does he look like moving to the outfield? Blah, blah, blah. Like he can kind of go to the Mets and be their second baseman if they want. Right. And, and so I, I, you know, maybe they're still going to have to look for a way to move him to the outfield because they do have Mauricio and stuff. Like they got, they, there's still things to to figure out potentially. But I think it's a good move for him, and, it, and I think it, it 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 clears a quicker path for him to get to the majors. That's probably not this year, um, but it should be next. It should be next year. Yeah, yeah. I you know I was looking at the Fangraphs scouting report, and it does give him a future potential power grade of fifty, which is. Pretty good. So even though it hasn't been there yet, I mean that that could certainly come into play for Scherzer. I don't. I don't know. Like, I, I think it's just it's just like it's it's Max Scherzer. So to me, I'm gonna I'm gonna hope that like the competitiveness in him, he gets out of that crap show that was the Mets. Now he's on a team that's just winning, and he can kind of hit a groove like you know CC all those years ago with the Brewers. Maybe not that good, but but pretty good. Yeah. I, he is a guy that has like has broken down the last few years in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean like like 
every year consistently in the playoffs, something goes wrong. Yeah. Remember, he missed a game in the World Series, which is just so not Max Scherzer. Um, so maybe the Rangers will be a little cautious with him, but they also really can't afford it. Astros are game back. They're looking to make moves. They might end up with Verlander. The Mariners look like sellers, but they're only five and a half back, and the Angels are five back. We know they're buyers. So it uh, be interesting to see Scherzer's usage down the stretch here and, and certainly Luis Angel Acuna when he gets promoted. So this next trade actually kind of hurt for me. Um, I was hoping the Reds, there were some rumors the Red Sox were going to be in on Jordan Montgomery and that they were looking at like a Montgomery slash Gorman or Montgomery slash Edmund package to, to supplement the roster right now because they're not going to do anything crazy, but something like that would have been great. Instead, if I can take the Homer hat off for a second here, Montgomery ends up with the Rangers. Um, and the Cardinals got John King, Thomas Sagiz, Sagizi, and Takoa Roby. Not a lot there, uh, unless you've got something on the prospect, kind of similar to the prospects that the White Sox got from the Angels. I, not really on my fantasy radar, but Montgomery, a rental for the Rangers. I'm still in on him. He's had a real up and down season. Chris Stratton, I'm not quite sure the role he's going to have with the Rangers because it looks like Evaldi will be back pretty soon. But anything on this trade chat, obviously when it's a rental, there's not a whole lot in terms of long-term keeper value. No, I, it's interesting. Like this is the second straight year Montgomery's been traded, um, which is always just sort of a an interesting thing that you've had two different organizations be like, eh, we'll move on. See you later. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't think it does a lot for him. Like, it's a good park to pitch in. It should help him with wins this year. But I don't know what it means for him long term just because he's he's going to be a free agent, right? And so, uh, like, the Rangers, well, we were talking about, like, they don't have, like, all these pitchers. Like, they're going to expect DeGrom back, and now they've got Scherzer there, and they've got, still got Gray, and they've got Dunning. Like, I'm not actually sure that they're going to be super in the market for, like, if they're going to go get it, if they're going to spend on a pitcher this offseason, I expect it to be because there's, like, an ace they think they can go get, which I'm not really sure there is one in the market, or because they go get Otani. I don't think they're going to be trying to get more sort of mid-tier starters, and that's sort of what Montgomery is. And so I think this sort of, in some ways, that might be a good thing for Montgomery because it leaves him free to just go figure out where he wants to go next. Um, but yeah, I, I don't I don't see a ton of long-term meaningful fantasy impact from this deal. Agreed. I think it's, it's almost similar to the Scherzer, but less intense that he, he's escaping an organization that was a disaster this season. Hopefully the win potential goes up um, and he catches a little bit of a hot streak here at the Rangers. He's no, obviously he's no stranger to American league hitters. Uh, so hopefully, you know, it's a smooth transition here over to the Rangers, but not a lot there on the Montgomery trade. This one, another kind of minor one, although it's moving around some bullpen pieces across the league, creating a lot of potentially several different new closers. Uh, the Marlins got David Robertson from the Mets as they continue their fire sale. Or I'm sorry, they're not calling it a fire sale, but it's basically a fire sale. Where the Marlins get David Robertson, they sent Dylan Floro away to bring in Jorge Lopez. Uh, relievers going all over the place. The Mets got uh, lower minor leaguers, Marco Vargas and Ronald Hernandez, who at this point in time, we definitely don't need to dive into. Um, but David Robertson going to the Marlins, he's hanging on another year as a closer. I don't know how many more years of being a closer he has. Um, I this is similar to Montgomery one. Not sure there's a lot to say, but quick thoughts there with all these relievers moving around. Yeah. I mean, Robertson, I, Robertson's going to be the closer of Miami, which means AJ Puck no longer has value. And, you know, 
for a, a minute there, it looked like Puck might be a guy who like he'd have value this year, and they might keep him as their closer. You didn't know what they were going to do in the offseason. Like he'd be, he was sort of an interesting potential keeper in leagues where you might keep a closer. Uh, he's not anymore. Because I think even though even though Robertson won't be back and Puck might be, like this tells you what they think of Puck. And so that that's sort of the only maybe keeper impact here. But short term, like Robertson's still the closer. And then, of course, you got to look in New York. And I don't know if it's Rayleigh or Adovino or maybe some combination of both. But one of those two is going to get some saves. And they're both good enough to, I guess, be auditioning for a job, right? Because obviously the Mets closer next year will be Edwin Diaz. But those guys like could put themselves in a position. I don't know if either of them are free agents, to be honest. But they could put themselves in a position to be closer somewhere else if they do well here. But yeah, it's, there's not a ton of long-term value here because we already knew who the Mets closer was next year. And all this really does is mean that puck is out. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great point about the, the Mets closer situation, but I, I I'm glad you brought up AJ puck because he is, he, he he's going to go through arbitration the next three years and David Robertson's going to be gone. Like you said, I, I don't know. I, I think they could give him another chance at being the closer. So if he gets cut in any of my leagues and I could add him for free or I could add him for a buck, if that situation presents itself, I'm, I hate to say I'm interested in AJ Puck again because he's all of a sudden becoming like my new Nick Senzel, but the swinging strike rate, strike rate was 14.6%. I mean, that's that's like really, really, really good. So if if he does end up back with them and does get the closers role and they're a young team and they continue to get better, I don't know. Maybe it's too much pie in the sky, but um, I'm glad you brought up the AJ Puck angle because if he starts getting cut in leagues, which he should, I mean, if you have AJ Puck for this season, you should cut him. If you can get him back cheap for free for a buck, whatever, I'm kind of, I'm kind of in. Speaking of relievers, I just, cut, I just cut Puck in a league. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. Well, so if my, I'm out of it in that league, league, I might target him. No, <laughs> oh, you're, not, you're not in that one. My my CBS league, I, just, I made a, I made a couple of trades recently, but both of my trades acquired closers, and so I picked up Albert Alzale in one of the league, in one of the trades. I picked up Kenley Jansen in the other, and then I grabbed Gregory Santos as a free agent because I think he's going to end up as the that's actually one thing we didn't talk about is who's going to be closing in Chicago. And I think it's Santos sure. and he's, he's good and interesting. And so I, I grabbed him. And so now Alzale, Jansen, Santos are my closers. We have three relief spots. I'm not, I'm not waiting around for, for puck. Now the problem with those trades is that the big acquisition in those deals was Bo Bichette. And I don't know if you're looking at the news right now, Pete, but, Bichette just pulled up after rounding first. Non-contact leg injury is is never a thing you want to hear about a player. Uh, it, it didn't look good. Um, it looked to me, I didn't see the play, and I'm, I'm trying to watch it now without sound, but it looks to me like he hit what would have been a double into the corner. Turned to head to second. Pulled up when the throw got in a little quickly, but then basically just gave himself up rather than even trying to get back to first base. Uh-oh. Well, he, he didn't, he didn't collapse he didn't fall down, but he, he, he basically just stood there and let himself be tagged out. Like you can even see the Oriole. Is it the Orioles are playing? Whoever it was, they're playing the, the second baseman being like, 
almost like feeling bad, but like, well, you're just standing here. <laughs> I got to tag oh, you. It's not good. Um, but it didn't, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. Uh, I'm reading me. Yeah. I mean, so when you watch it, like it's, I, I'm watching the video right now. Ball goes into the corner, bounces quickly to the right fielder. He pulls up and he just stops and grabs at his knee. And then he's just standing there limping and hopping around. And it's Jorge Mateo comes over and tags him out with like the sheepish, sheepish, yeah, the most sheepish looking tag where you're just like, well, I yeah, guess this is awkward, but I have to do it. <laughs> right. Um, now, he at no point did he go, go down on the field and he walked off under his own power. Now, the the natural concern here, I think, is that like ACL injuries, often you can walk just fine. You can run just fine. You just have no stability in the knee. And so if he felt something like that, but anyways, I'm not going to speculate. He's going to, he was limping kind of gingerly as he went off the field. I am sure uh, he is headed to the, first available MRI machine in the city of Toronto and we'll know more tomorrow is my guess. Um, uh, but yeah, that's just, that's just brutal. Cause if it yep, is an ACL, like is... his season's done and you worry about opening next season. Oh, he, I, like, I would be shocked if he was, if it's ACL, which again, I I don't even want to speculate, but if it's something like that, I mean, I, I don't think he's starting next season, right? So no. that sucks. Let's just hope it's yeah. a, a little tweak. And, uh, and uh, hey, we all thought Corbin Carroll's season was like done a couple of weeks ago, and then he was literally in the lineup the next day. So maybe a little bit of that magic will uh, will carry over here to Bo Bichette. Uh, we are going to go to break, but before we do, I have a quick question for our listeners. Do you want to make more you want to make any money making picks on MLB games, then you have to try Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's Pick'em Game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Not bad. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST, all capital letters, one word, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's underdogfantasy.com or underdogfantasy in the App Store. Sign up with promo code PITCHERLIST and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Must be 18 or older, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 in Massachusetts and Arizona, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. In Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789. We'll be right back after this break. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat. But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. And that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life. 
not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome back, folks. Pete Ball, Chad Young, Keeper Cut Podcast, breaking down the trades that have happened so far during the trade deadline. And I'm refreshing Twitter religiously. And we, we just talked about the uh, Bo Bichette injury, which uh, obviously doesn't look good, but that seems to be dominating the news headlines right now. Not much else to report. So we're going to continue to go through the trades that have already happened. I found this one interesting. I, I, I don't know. With Jordan Romano down, I lost Jordan Romano. So you and I are competing in the podcasters ought new league for first and second place. I mean, we are in the thick of it. I actually had it from you for like an hour the other night and I lost Jordan Romano to the IL, hopefully for a short stint. And so I said, you know what? I have to be like on top of this. I can't wait around. I'm going to put in a claim for Yimi Garcia, but then the blue Jays go and acquire Jordan Hicks uh, from the St. Louis Cardinals for Sem Roberts and Adam Kloffenstein. And now I'm like, man, did I just waste that? Like, is Jordan Hicks going to step in while Jordan Romano's out? I, I don't know. I, whatever the case is, Jordan Hicks is now in the Blue Jays. Blue Jays obviously going for a great roster. Any thoughts on this move, Chad? I assume Hicks is going there to be the closer. Uh, I, I don't. I guess I don't know that for sure. But like Garcia, the auction for Garcia ends in like two and a half hours. And I will tell you, I was trying to outbid you for him as of, you know, right before that trade happened. And then I was like, eh, I'll take my trade, my my bid away. And so I'm going to let Garcia go. There's a chance that that'll, that'll come back to bite me because I think he, it could be him. Um, the reality mm-hmm. is in that league, I've got one, two, I have Hicks. So I'm hoping it's him because I've had Hicks when he was closing for the the Cardinals, but I've got Jansen, Paul Seawald, who we'll talk about later, Hicks, Josh Hader, Kevin Ginkle, who we'll also talk about later, Scott Barlow and Trevor May, and Brooks Raley. So I've got I've got a bunch of guys who might be closers, and I didn't feel like adding Garcia to that. But if you aren't in that situation, Garcia is worth a worthwhile add. I think again from a keeper league perspective, like Romano's still gonna be the closer there next year. This doesn't really change much. I wasn't counting on Hicks holding that job in St. Louis. Like Helsley should be back. And when he's back, he'll probably take it over again. So I'm just sort of, this is sort of a blah deal from that perspective. Yeah. And I I think not only long-term, but short-term, you know, knock on wood, right? Uh, Jordan Romano, it's lower back inflammation, which that can go a lot of different directions, especially with her pitchers, but it doesn't sound like it's that serious. It sounds like, Hey, you know, this guy has pitched a lot of innings for us. He's felt a little tweak. Let's sit him down for a couple of weeks, then get him back uh, for the stretch run. So I'm hoping he's going to be okay for that league. Specifically, I am first in saves and I have a seven save lead so I can afford it. But man, this is such a tight race that like, even if Daniel Port, who's right behind me, passes me, or if you pass Daniel Port, who you are right behind, that could that could decide this league. So yeah, big happenings here with closer situations and, and Jordan Romano and Jordan Hicks, the Jordans. So that's an easy one, but this this one I, I find interesting as well. Uh, so this not only involves a reliever, but a starter as well. The Dodgers acquired Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly for Trace Thompson, Nick Nestrini, and Jordan Leisure. Um, 
Lance Lynn, here's my thing. I he continues to strike guys out at a at a really high clip, which would lead me to think like the skills are still there, that this isn't an age thing, which actually I didn't mention this before, but Scherzer's velocity is barely down, which is why I, I still have some some faith there that he can bounce back with. This isn't about Scherzer, it's about Lance Lynn. But it, it also wasn't ballpark related or really team related that he's been struggling. Maybe it was just like he needs a new organization. The the White Sox been a disaster. I, I I don't know. And maybe the Dodgers see something they can fix. But normally you see someone go to the Dodgers and you feel great about it. For Lance Lynn, it's like, I don't know. Like, I I I don't think his problem is something that that is easily identifiable. The Dodgers are just gonna be like, you need to start doing this because he's already been getting the strikeouts and and doing Lance Lynn things. Just maybe it's just a, a, a down year for him. Long term, obviously, when we talk about a player players as old as Lance Lynn, as old as Joe Kelly, not huge impacts. Um, but you know, for the rest of this season, maybe the Dodgers can get something out of Lance Lynn. I just I don't think it's as simple as like, oh, he's on the Dodgers now, he's gonna be fine. I, I'm still I still can't figure out what's going on with Lance Lynn. And until he starts churning out multiple good outings, I'm not ready to get excited. And if he does have a great first outing with the Dodgers, remember. He had that like 16 strikeout outing and then immediately we went back to, to, to being bad. So I need to see some prolonged success from Lance Lynn before I trust him again. Yeah, I, I wouldn't trust him. I just I, I remember thinking, you know, there were rumors the Dodgers were interested in him and the rumors that the Rays were interested in him. And I remember sitting there thinking, like, if you're in the White Sox front office or coaching staff, you've <laughs> got to be sitting there going, what are we missing? What are we missing? What do, yeah. <laughs> what, what do we not see here? What's wrong with us that like we've got this guy that we're ready to just ship off. We can't do anything with. He's not. And like, it's not some young kid. Like sometimes with a young kid, you're like, eh, we haven't figured it out. I don't know. Maybe someone else did whatever, but like you've had Lance Lynn for a while and you can't figure out what's going on with him. And he's like killing your team right now. And then you've got two of, you know, maybe the smartest organizations in baseball being like, well, we'll, we'll take them off your hands. If that's, that's a thing you want to do. That's a good point. So it makes me wonder if there's something going on. I'm with you. I'm not, I don't trust him. Uh, In deeper leagues, if he's a free agent, you can pick him up real cheap and, and you can afford to just leave him on your bench. I might do that and see what happens his first couple times out with the Dodgers. Cause like, you know, this is a case where like, if you're, if you aren't reading Nick's SP roundup every day on pitcher list, you, you, it's worth looking at. And this is a case where like, if he goes out and has a great start and then the next morning you read Nick's roundup and it's like, Lynn is doing this little thing a little bit differently. I might be like, Oh, okay. I, I'm now I'm all the way in because it, it could be a small tweak. Like I said, he's getting the strikeouts. There's some positive signs there. So I, I'm watching that, but I'm not, I'm not buying aggressively on it. From a from a keeper league perspective, I do think like if Lynn gets off to a good start with the Dodgers, I might buy in on the basis that if they figured something out with him, that could carry over to next year. And he could end up being a real interesting buy low or keep cheap kind of guy. Um, although I think it's more likely that where that factors in is in drafts that you'd end up buying low in drafts if you can Maybe. I mean, it's certainly in, in not new if you can get him cheap enough and he's not really going to get hit no matter how hot 
of a stretch he potentially has here down the stretch. I don't think he's really an arbitration target. So if you get him for like four bucks, would you keep him for six if he shows something here at the Dodgers? I think so. I think more interesting a result from this trade is, is what happens to Michael Grove or Emmett Sheehan. I honestly, I, I would have thought Grove was going to get the job, which is crazy to say because he's been terrible until Emmett Sheehan's most recent outing. He pitched five innings, no earned runs and, and had like five strikeouts. He ended up getting the win. But uh, he obviously pitched better than Michael Grove has, at least in that one outing. Uh, it, it almost doesn't matter because Kershaw is facing, you know, he, he's pitching in simulated games. He, he's on his way back and he'll take that fifth spot. But I mean, we're in a tight spot here at the end of the year coming in, fan, in our fantasy season. So if you have Michael Grove, you have Emmett Sheehan, one of those two is going to stop making starts very, very soon and probably both eventually. So that does it for the Lance Lynn trade. We do have, finally, we can get to this one that, that we introduced at the beginning of the show. Uh, just happened today. And the reactions are hilarious to me because, like, <laughs> this is really for all of these trades and, and every every trade season is, you know, one team trades a, a player for prospects. And the team that trades away the prospect it's so fun or the prospects it's so funny the like change in tune that immediately happens from the fan base where one second this prospect is like the next coming of of babe ruth and then they get traded and all of a sudden it's like oh we had like a surplus there like we he might be okay but he's kind of struck like i can't stand that maybe this trade actually isn't the best example because there's not a lot of raised fans out there period but all of a sudden the tune on kyle manzardo <laughs> Kyle Manzardo had maybe just as much hype as any of these first base prospects, right? Uh, Mervis and Cassis and all these guys that have been that have been making their debuts. He is exciting, and 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 I'm into this for the Guardians. You know, you talked a lot about it at the beginning of the show, and now we have Aaron Savali going to the Rays. Which, like, if if he has a similar, if this is like Zach Eflin all over again, like, wait a second, why the heck do the Rays want this guy? Then he could be super valuable. So, anything in addition to what you said at the beginning of the show, Chad, that you want to sprinkle on here for this big time Guardians move. Yeah, I think from a from a fantasy perspective, um, th- this doesn't matter to me for Savali. Like he was with a really good pitching organization. He's with another really good pitching organization. He is a solid mid to back of the rotation starter who gets injured a lot. Like that's what he is. That's what he's going to be. I don't think that's going to change. I, I don't. Think He'll really fit in with point. the Rays then. Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't think there's a uh, like. I don't think this is a case where like. So like, you know, Sarah tweeted out earlier today that Savali's fastball is the best in baseball by stuff plus. Curveball, I don't think, I think this right? is a or curveball, curveball. Did I say fastball? That is. Yeah, I was like, wait a second. So <laughs> I got to revisit so this wrong. trade. <laughs> his curveball, his curveball. Um, I don't think this is a case where like the Guardians didn't realize he had a great curve or didn't realize just how good the curve was. And if only they had got him to throw it more, think about how much better he would be like that. That's not what this is. And so I don't think he's going to go to the Rays and all of a sudden like tear things up because they they uncovered something. Uh, I'll be very sad if that happens, but I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think he's going to continue to be a solid pitcher there. Um, Savali, though, is one of these guys that like I really liked him as a Guardians fan. His fantasy value just isn't that high. Um, he he does go deep into games when he's healthy, and so like there's a little bit of value in maybe getting some wins and some quality starts and stuff like that, but. He's just he's just not a big fantasy guy. His ERA is fine. His whip is fine. There's some strikeouts, but not very many. Like, there's not a lot to like there. Manzardo, I think I like this for Manzardo for a couple of reasons. One, you know, 
right now he's theoretically blocked in Cleveland because they have Josh Bell and Josh Naylor and Manzardo has to replace one of them. I, I think, I think what this tells me is that Josh Bell will be gone by opening day next year. It's possible that he'll be gone by the time you hear this episode that he's being shopped right now. I think like, yeah, there was a, a report earlier today that the the Mariners were shopping Ty France and Teoscar Hernandez and that there were teams out there interested in right-handed bats like that. Okay, that makes sense. None of those three guys have been very good this year. Bell has been better than Teoscar and a little bit worse than France by WRC+, Plus, but has a better WOBA than France. So he's sort of right in there with those guys except his ex-WOBA is way better than those two. Uh, he's been really unlucky this year. And so I think there is a, I think there probably is a market for Bell. And so we'll see if he gets moved right now. But I think regardless, the Guardians will, you know, he, he has a player option for 16.5 million in the offseason. Whether or not he picks it up, I don't think he's with the Guardians when opening day rolls around. Because I think they'll be, they will make room for Mansardo. The Rays were not going to do that. They have Yandy Diaz at first. They have a bunch of other guys around their infield who play first at times. Paredes has played some first, among others. They've got Curtis Mead and Jonathan Aranda in the minors, along with Manzardo. Like It was a crowded, crowded spot. It is less crowded in Cleveland. So from that perspective, I really like it for him. And I think I think that's sort of the, the one big thing is like, it was unclear when Manzardo was going to get a chance in Tampa, if he did get a chance, was he just going to be a platoon guy? Because that's how Tampa rolls with everybody. I think his opportunity to be an everyday player in Cleveland is much higher and will come much sooner. I am so much more excited. I don't care how good the Rays offense. I don't care how good the Rays offense looks. I'm so much more excited about Kyle Manzardo now that he is with the Guardians. I made a move for him earlier in Keeper Cut Listener League 2 on... Uh, Fangraphs. Now I'm, I'm certainly more excited to have him there. So I'll put my money where my mouth is. I am. Uh, I almost, I almost sent him to you in a trade offer right away <laughs> just to talk about it on the show. But uh, I did not. Ultimately I, I want to hold on to Manzardo. I'm more excited about him now totally than I was. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so move, we're, we're almost through this, this long list of deals. We do have another reliever to talk about though. And that is Paul Seawalt who is going to the Dimebacks. By the way, again, constantly refreshing Twitter. Apparently, Michael Lorenzen has left the clubhouse. I don't know if there were some hugs that took place, uh, but the the Tigers have been talking with the Orioles, according to John Morrissey. So we'll see uh, if, if Michael Lorenzen is on his way to Baltimore, which I'm sorry. Like, I know he was an all-star. If Baltimore's big move is not a Verlander or a Snell and is instead Michael Lorenzen enjoy another season that ends with a loss Baltimore. Um, hopefully that's not the case or hopefully Michael Lorenzen is just one of the targets that they're going for, but I really want to see the Orioles go for it. And uh, I'm sorry, just going for Lorenzen. You're, you're just putting your toe half in the water here. Anyway, uh, back to Paul Seawald, who is going from Seattle where he has been pretty much dominant since he uh, really emerged on the scene a couple seasons ago. The Mariners are getting back some interesting players. They're getting back Josh Rojas, who I think needed a change of scenery and just wasn't going to break through with the Diamondbacks. He's had very short stretches of pretty awesome fantasy-relevant play. He just hasn't been able to catch on. Um, Dominic Canzone and Ryan Bliss are also 
headed to the Mariners in this trade and just Paul Seawald going to the D-backs. So the D-backs get their closer. That situation has been a disaster. Fortunately, like I don't think any managers are losing a closer from this trade. Like sometimes when a closer gets moved, somebody's losing a job. I've right? got Ginkle. I've got Ginkle in multiple places. <laughs> He's been, he's been, uh, to be fair, he's, he's been pretty solid, but that situation's just been a mess. Now I it's think he, Ginkle, for I've sure. also had McGough at a bunch of places too. So I know, oh I know God, that that, that situation's been weird. It's felt like when McGough blows up, it's, it's full on Oppenheimer. Like it's, it's, it's absolutely atomic. It's not like a two earned run performance. It's like a four or a five. Anyway, uh, hopefully Diamondbacks fans are, are relieved of that now with a pretty awesome close and they get two years out of Seawald. So Paul Seawald's value to me just went up because going into the season, it was a little bit of a conversation of like, you know, you've got Andres Munoz there. Uh, there was somebody else who was in the conversation at the beginning of the year for the Mariners. I think he was a distant third. I can't remember who it was. Ultimately, Seawald ended up with it. But now he is unquestionably the closer for a good up and coming team. So Paul Seawald's value in my eyes over the next year and month has really gone up um, in terms of the players going to Seattle. You know, we'll see. I, I don't think this is like a go add Josh Rojas now situation, but he is a little bit more interesting to me now because it just felt like it wasn't going to happen with the Diamondbacks. Yeah, and I think that the Mariners could use him at second base. And, and with Rojas, the reality is with Rojas, like he's he's not a guy you brought in because you're like looking at his long-term value, blah, blah, blah. Like they kind of need to figure out what they've got with him. And their second base situation has been like Colton Wong, who's been terrible. Um, what's his name? Uh, Caballero, who had some hot streaks in there, but I don't think is actually, I don't think he's the answer. And so I do think there's a chance they go out there and just like get Rojas in there and see what he can do because what else are you going to do with him? But yeah, I don't know. Canzone is probably the most interesting name on this list. And I think, for me, he's not high up the list of outfield prospects for that team. Um, he, you know, he's he's twenty six years old. They've got like they've got guys like, and they're they're a ways off with a guy like you know Gabriel Gonzalez or Jonathan Classe or something like they got guys who are a ways off and, and that that's maybe not a, a factor yet, but it will be in the next year or two. And in the meantime, they've, they've got a pretty good center fielder. They're pretty happy with Jared Kelnick is still going to hold down a, a corner there. I, there's, I just don't know. Like, I'm not sure I like him more than Cade Marlowe, who they've already called up and are giving a shot to. I don't, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't look and see this as like a great opportunity for him but I'm sure he's going to get a shot at some point, probably soon. And maybe he can prove me wrong. Yeah. And the real, I think the the biggest benefiter from this is Andres Munoz, who I think is elite. Um, he spent a big portion of the season hurt, uh, but his, his strikeout per nine has been excellent. And I think he, he obviously profiles as a pretty awesome closer. He's, he's looked that way since his days in the San Diego minor league system, right? It was like, this guy's going to be a great reliever. And he has been, um, but now he should be able to take that job and just run away with it. So he benefits greatly from this. And certainly managers that have been, if you were just holding on to him, cause you're like, you know what? There's no closers out there. I'm just going to get a really good eighth inning guy. Well, now you've got a really good closer for a team that even though they're technically selling is still pretty good. Like I, I, Munoz could rack up some saves here down the stretch. Yeah. 
um, for sure. And one last thing on Rojas, you know, you said he could take that second base job. I think he will, right? He was, a, he was nearly a three win player last season. Um, so Seattle must have targeted him for a reason. And, um, you know, again, I don't think he's a, a, a must add. Maybe if you're really desperate for stolen bases, but he's a guy worth, uh, worth keeping an eye on here. And that takes us to our final trade. Definitely not the most serious trade, um, but this player has just stayed hot. Um, Jammer Candelario is on his way to the Cubs. The Nats got prospects DJ Hers and Kevin Maid. Um, Candelario has been really awesome this year. He's a guy who, like, I, I've been out of it in the keeper cut Ot New League um, since since the start, right? I mean, we, we've talked about this in the past. You said so many misses um, in the auction. And I, I needed to fill out a roster. And I was like, all right, I'll get Candelario. At least I know he's going to play. He's been, like, my <laughs> best player this season, man. <laughs> For, he's like, a buck. So he's been awesome. So, uh, Candelario to the Cubs. Any thoughts there? And is yeah. he a keep at $3, by the way? Is he a keep? You know, I think he kind of has to be. I don't like. I'm. I don't know. I I haven't really bought into him all year, even as I've rostered him in a couple places and have him like planted in my lineup. So like, seeing her saying like, "Oh, I'm not sure I buy into him," but like, I've been playing him every day. Because how could you not? He's been so good. Right. But every day I'm like, well, at some point he's going to cool off. And then I'm going to stop using him. And it just hasn't happened. And if that, like, I don't know. If he has a terrible September, then I'm probably going to find myself in the offseason being like, oh, well, I knew he was going to cool off at some point. But I, I don't know. I look at this and, like, his walk rate is solid. His strikeout rate is fine. There's not some like he's got two ninety seven BAPIP, so that's not really like a a major concern. He, you know, his XWOBA is only three twenty six versus his three fifty four WOBA, and so like maybe there's some some regression coming from that perspective, especially on the the power front of things because he doesn't really hit the ball that hard, but he's also got a thirteen point nine percent home run per fly ball rate. It's not like he's you know got some like 30% home run per fly ball rate. That's totally unsustainable. Like everything kind of looks like stuff he's capable of. (laughs) And so from that perspective, I'm like, all right, well maybe this is legit. I mean, if you look at what he's done over the last few years, like this year, his fly ball rates up a bit, which is probably helping him. His line drive rate is actually down from where it was in his best years with Detroit, but it's up from where it was last year. His ground ball rate is the lowest it's been in a while. Uh, the last time it was this low was 2019. So like that all seems that all seems good. I, I don't know. I, his strikeout rates down a bit. Like it's not a lot of big changes. It's just sort of adding up to something really effective. And so I, it's hard. It is both hard for me to imagine him continuing to do this. And hard for me to look at his profile and tell you where it's going to fall apart. I I feel the same way. And it's like when you look at his profile, nothing stands out as like, man, he's really good at this. But everything else just looks like, okay, like I can buy. He'll be a 21% strikeout right? Strikeout rate guy, which is pretty cool. Like he, he's a 41% pull rate. That's not absurd. It's high, but it's not absurd. 
Like I, I think he can maintain doing all of this stuff. He's going to post a career high in war for sure. He's already a 3.1 F war. His career high is 3.9 and he's a switch hitter, even though he's not that great against lefties. Like I, I think he provides a lot of value for teams. So he's going to stay on the field and he's going to accumulate numbers. He's going to accumulate plate appearances, which will add to his value and give him some inflated counting totals. So I don't know. I, I I'm, Thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, I think for for $3, he's probably going to end up being a key for me at a position third base, by the way, which is still not that amazing, right? For as many breakouts and and, and positive seasons we've had, there's been plenty of of, of duds there. So um, Jamer Candelario, I'm willing to bet on in most fan graphs leagues or most odd new leagues, he's for a, a dollar, maybe two. Um, and I, I think he's going to be kept in a lot of places for four or five dollars. Um that takes us through the major moves, and I'm going to refresh Twitter one more time. But while I do that, we're going to take one final break. All right, everyone, welcome back. We did have this happened before the show. The Reds acquired left-handed pitcher Sam Mall uh, from the Athletics Ooh, in exchange for Joe Boyle. So we got a lot to break down here. Uh, this episode, I thought it was just going to be like an hour and ten minutes. Now it's going to be like two hours and ten minutes. Um, I'm only kidding. There's not a lot to talk about there. Um, so instead, we're going to shift towards uh, some other extremely minor moves. Um, maybe extremely minor. I don't know. Uh, I'm curious to see if Chad has any input on these. Uh, so I'm just going to kind of give them rapid fire here. Mark Kana to the Brewers. AJ Pollock to the Giants. Nikki Lopez to the Braves. Taylor Hearn to the Royals. Kendall Graveman is heading back to the Astros while Kike Hernandez goes back to the Dodgers. And Ahmed Rosario goes to the Dodgers. So the Dodgers are, are really trying to acquire the worst fielding shortstops they possibly can. For me, Mark Kana to the Brewers is a little interesting just because I think he'll get some more consistent playing time. And on top of that, I think he's going to bat in a primo spot in that lineup because the Brewers do need some offensive help. I don't think it's like go out and rush to add Mark Hanna territory though. I don't think there's a lot of fantasy relevance here. Um, but Chad, yeah. I'll, I'll turn it over to you. You know, your former guardian, Ahmed Rosario going to the Dodgers. Yeah. Any of these moves stick out? The, the, the three names that you mentioned that I think are at least somewhat interesting, but they're only particularly interesting for the rest of this season with the exception of Rosario, who we'll talk about in a moment, but um, Kenna, who you already mentioned, and Pollock are both platoon bats um, moving to, I think for them, better situations. Pollock is moving to an organization that has a long history of taking like aging platoon guys and making them good. So I, I think like that's, that's a good fit for him. Um, I think that he and Canada are both sort of fine from that perspective and could be useful. Now, Rosario is an interesting one because, well, I, I was happy to see him moved out of Cleveland and I was happy to see him moved out because he was blocking them from finding out like, is Gabriel Arias our shortstop of the future? Is Tyler Freeman the shortstop of the future? Should Brian Rocchio be getting a look? But I have long said that if they used Rosario the way he should be used, which is as a utility guy who only faces left-handed pitching, he could be kind of useful. He, this year against lefties, has a 304, 345, 482 slash line, which is good for a 127 WRC+. I suspect that the Dodgers are basically never going to let him see a right-handed pitcher. And if you're in a type of league and auto new leagues are probably the sort of the prime example of this. But if you're in the type of league where 
you could take a guy and just plug him into your lineup against lefties and live with the fact that you never use him any other day. Like Rosario is a really good middle infield bat against lefties. And he has, you know, I, I think if he establishes himself in that role with the Dodgers, you'll, we'll see where he ends up next year. But in that kind of circumstance where you're only using him against left-handed pitching, I think he has some value. And so he's the only one of like, those three are sort of the three. I'm like, oh, okay, maybe this will maybe this will do them some good, but there's not a lot to look at there. No. Yeah, it, it, especially in Pollock's case, it's been a while since he's had some some relevance. But you're you're right, the organizational fit does seem a little bit interesting. If you are a Giants fan, you've got to be disappointed though. I mean, <laughs> you know the Dodgers are going to end up with like Verlander or something, and the Padres are always looking to acquire and move and bring things in and change things up. And you're having a surprisingly pretty good season, and you end up with uh, hopefully not your big your big acquisition is the like 170 hitting AJ. Pollock. So those were that that pretty much wraps up all of the major moves. We even we even mentioned the Sam Mall trade just to just to bring that one back. So just for fun. Um, now we can do a little bit of uh news stuff that is trade related. We talked about Shohei being taken off the block, but the Cubs made the decision, they've been extremely hot lately to take Cody Bellinger off the trade block. Now, for Shohei Otani, I said I agreed with it because Shohei is generational. I think if you get in, he can win you a World Series. Like, I, I think he's that good, obviously, and so does everybody else. I I think the Cubs are making a mistake here. I, I know the Central is kind of up for the taking. The the Reds, after the, you know the, that really hot stretch and all the excitement, they've kind of cooled off a little bit, and the Brewers aren't running away with anything. But I, I don't know. I feel differently about this one. I, I think, especially in this particular market, with offense being at such a premium, that they could have capitalized and, and got a may, maybe the best haul of all the trades, at least for all the rentals for Cody Bellinger and going for it. Instead. I, I it sounds like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. I, I don't agree with holding on to Bellinger here. They're, they're only, they're only three and a half out of a, of a wild card spot and four out of the division. And from that perspective, like, I, I don't know. Could they have gotten the best possible return for a rental Bellinger? Like, yeah, but you know what? Like what's that return going to be? Yeah. Like returns on rentals have been uninspiring for a few years now. And the return on Bellinger is gonna be like, okay, he's having a he's having a good year, right? 139 WRC plus, no denying that. He's been terrible for two years before that and was bad the year before that. So any team that's taking him as a rental is gonna be like, Yeah, he's doing really well we're picking him up for two months and there's a chance that he turns into a pumpkin at any moment. Here's some like, you know, random dude in a ball who has no chance of ever making the majors. <laughs> and like, that's what they were going to get. And so, you know, you could do that trade and hope that the guy who, you know, you, you get it, you find a guy that another team's not excited about that you see something in and you can like, but there's also a, like, there's a really good chance that you get a guy who never puts up a career with as much value as you get from Bellinger between now and the end of the season. <laughs> That's really sad yeah. to think about, but it's also, it's also, you know, a, a, a very high likelihood possibility. You right. know, it's true of outcome. any prospect, right? Even good prospects bust at high rates. Like it's hard to make it as a major league player and you're going to get not that good a prospect for him. And so from that perspective, like, if I'm them, I'd rather go 
grab a couple of rentals and see if we can close that gap and and make some noise in the postseason, especially because this isn't a Cubs team with a ton of payroll tied up and they're a Cubs team that should be able to spend. And I kind of feel like you go out, you make your run this year, and then maybe you extend Bellinger. Maybe you go out in the free agent market and add a couple of guys. Maybe you make some trades in the offseason to bolster your team. And like, is it? it's not that far-fetched for me to look at this team and be like, they could be the favorites in the Central next year. They can make the moves I, necessary to do that. Yeah, And I don't I, think I, trading I, Bellinger away helps that cause. I think making some noise in the postseason could. So if Bellinger is extended, then I agree completely because th- that was clearly the plan from the start. This is not a miscalculation. This is a, no, we're not going to trade Bellinger because we want to extend him long-term. That I will I will grant. And I, and I agree with you. I don't think anybody is necessarily the runaway favorite in the Central, though with a healthy Green and a healthy Lodolo, the Reds will certainly be the favorite. I do think the Cubs are... The Cubs need to keep adding, though, to make this worth it. Like the Angels said, we're going to keep Otani because he's the best player in baseball, baseball history. And then we're going to go out. We're going to bring in four major league good players, not just like, at, you know, a nice little fix up like an A.J. Pollock or something. They they went out. They got Crone. They got Krejcik. They got Giolito. They got Ronaldo Lopez. I mean, they improved everywhere. I like that. The Cubs, if all they do is get Jammer Candelario, they're like, all right, here we're all in. And then Bellinger walks in free agency. I am going to look back and I'm going to say, you know what? Even if it wasn't likely that, that the prospects they got panned out, I, I think I still would have rather done that because as as good as Bellinger has been this season and he has been very good, there's a little bit under the surface that makes me think like, all right, he's he's not back though. This isn't like, this is not Dodgers MVP Cody Bellinger. This is a guy who's having a pretty good season in a walk year. And so if he does in fact walk, I do, I do think they're going to regret that. But I agree with you. If they extend him long-term or anything like that, even for another year, um, then I'm perfectly fine with them holding on. And the Red Sox are listening on Alex Verdugo, which is it should not surprise folks. Verdugo is is in a terrible slump right now. Uh, that's not why they're looking, but they're they're trying to do both, just like they did last year or, or a couple years ago, where they're like, all right, we're kind of competing here. Uh, and obviously, a couple years ago when they got Schwarber, they ended up really competing and being two wins away from the the World Series. But it's like we also don't want to sacrifice everything long term, and we want to improve long term. <laughs> They have Duvall, they have Yoshida, um, they have they have Verdugo, and obviously they have the emerging Jaron Duran. So there's a little bit of an opening there. And Justin Turner's been a disaster in the field, but he's been amazing at the plate. So he has to be the DH. Like there's not, there is an opening where like they could trade an outfielder, improve long term, and stay competitive this year. Verdugo could bring in a lot in this this market. I mean, he, he's another guy who's rental, but he's. He's shown he's a major league hitter, and there's not a lot of offense he's, to go he's around. Not a rental. He's got another year of club control. Yeah, left, right. I, I, correct. He. Has, I, I yeah. think he's. Is he arbitration? I gotta. He'll he'll be arbitration know. eligible for one more year, and then he'll be a free agent yeah. after next season. Right. So he's but he's not he's not some guy who's locked up long term. He's wanted to be locked up long term. He's told that to the Red Sox, and his tune really changed this week. So I don't know if he was told something, but he literally said if he gets moved, he doesn't care. Um, so that kind of tells me that Verdugo could be on his way out. I, this is maybe a nice segue into our next, our final segment here on this episode, which is dream destinations. So Verdugo is not a very appetizing fantasy player to begin with. He doesn't post, post very gaudy counting numbers. He doesn't have a lot of power. He should bat for a high average, but he's not. Um, is there a place, a likely place that Verdugo could end up that you're like, all right, you know what? Other than other than Colorado, 
because it has to be likely and <laughs> we know they're not going to make some kind of move here um, where you would, you would be interested in adding Alex Verdugo or trading for him in your long-term leagues. Boy, I don't, I don't know. Cause I don't know where he's going to end up. That's, that's going to be a better park situation. Like he's like not going to Colorado. Um, I don't think I don't think Cincinnati would be in on him and like that'd be a nice park and that's a team that could be buying. It's like yeah, if he ended up hitting in that Cincinnati lineup and in Great American Ballpark, but like I don't know. Will Benson's been really good for them. TJ Fredell's been really good for them. Fraley's been good for like I, I just don't I don't I, I don't know that they need him and and, and all of those guys are lefties. So like you can't even be like, oh well, you just platoon him with that. Like, no, he doesn't he just doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. Um trying to think of who else might be buying outfielders. And like I don't I just don't know who the Angels. You know, could the uh, Angels yeah. buy well, him and and, and, well, and then got... have him hitting with Trout and Otani and like maybe that helps. I, the the team that sticks out to me is is a team that's not a buyer, but that's the Detroit Tigers. I think for fantasy value, it's not like it's a, it's a huge knock, which it normally would be, because he's already he's he's not a big power guy, right? He's a line drive ground yeah. ball guy that could, that could play well in Detroit. Um, and I think I think a flip of Alex Verdugo to bring Eduardo Rodriguez back makes a lot of sense. I think Detroit is is trying to get into their contention window, right? Riley Green is up. Torkelson is up. They're starting to hit well. And I think adding a, a young-ish, good veteran like Alex Verdugo could help take those guys to the next level. They're a team that's, that's dealt with plenty of outfield trouble, trying to find consistent talent in the outfield over the last couple of years. So that trade made a lot of sense to me. It's not like an ideal dream situation for Verdugo. I don't think you go from Boston to the Detroit Tigers. And you're like, now I need to add this player. But I do think, you know, that's a team that is slowly but surely on its way up. And Eduardo Rodriguez probably doesn't fit their contention window. That's a trade that I would like to see. And I'd love to see Erod come back to Boston. Yeah, I, be interesting. I, I can't see them making... I can't see the I can't see the Tigers making that deal. I don't I don't think that they're going to go out and make a trade for a guy who only has one year of control left because I just don't think they're ready to be confident there. I mean, they could contend next year. The Central's not very good, but I just don't think that they're. It would take a lot more than Verdugo, though. Yeah, and uh, you know. Yeah, I just don't think that's what they're. I don't think that's what they're doing right now. I think if they, if there was a bat out there, like if if you told me Verdugo was gonna be a free agent after twenty twenty five or after twenty twenty six or something like that, I could see them being like, okay, like that's a guy we would talk about. And then his value would be higher, and it would you know it would change the whole conversation, obviously. But I I don't see them trading for a guy who's only there for another year. Yeah, my, my one hope is Erod it does have a player option. So if they're thinking, if they've been told because he's having such a good year, he's going to opt out, which I don't know, this, he'd still be leaving quite a bit of money on the table. Maybe that is a flip that makes sense, but I, I tend to agree with you. It doesn't really fit their window based on the current contract situation. So we're, we're a little bit up against the clock. 
Uh, we just talked about Eduardo Rodriguez, so maybe we could cross him off the list. I'll leave that up to you. But let's pick some perfect landing spots for these five guys. We've got Justin Verlander, Eduardo Rodriguez, Blake Snell, Josh Hader, and Dylan Cease. Cease might not move. We'll see. I think those other four probably will. And let's start with Verlander. What is your ideal, likely landing spot or prediction or whatever? I mean, Tell us about Verlander. Let's start leaving Verlander aside for a moment. There are four starting pitchers on here. And the answer for all of them is Baltimore. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, sure. that is the answer. Like, Baltimore needs starting pitching. They've got a ton of youth they could trade from. And, like, I would love for this to see them to see them grab at least one of these guys. The other team, by the way, that is sort of, like, in a similar position and could use some more arms given injuries and things like that are, is Cincinnati. So I guess any of these guys ending up in either of those two places is logical. Um, sort of land of the Verlander, extremes, though, in, in park contrast. Right. I mean, I, I'd so oh, much rather yeah. a pitcher go to Baltimore than Cincinnati. Yeah. From a fantasy perspective, yes, that is true. Um, either of those cases, though, those guys end up in a team that's going to win them a lot of games, things like that. But yes, you're right. The, the Baltimore is a much more pleasant place to pitch these days. Um, maybe even more so, like as we're looking at these guys, like maybe what is. Is Rodriguez a lefty? Yes. Yeah. He and Snell, maybe maybe they're actually the better fits for that park because sure. they can neutralize lefties a little bit better and righties can't hit Gonna home runs in that anyway. stadium anymore anyways. So yeah. it, it no, may be point. that like maybe those two are the better fits there. I'll be honest. I, here's my answer on Verlander. I think he's going to be a Met. I don't think he's going anywhere. Really? I think you think the contract is too too much? You know, it seems weird because, like, on the one hand, I thought that about Scherzer, but then the Rangers apparently requested that he waive his opt-out and opt into the contract next year. So, like, they wanted him in, and so maybe somebody would feel the same way about Verlander. My guess is there's some financial thing there where, like, by getting him to opt in now, the Mets could pay a big chunk of that, whereas if he didn't opt in, the Mets couldn't do that. And so that was what that was could about. A technical but, like, thing, yeah. Yeah, but I look at this and like, you know, Verlander is going to be owed $43.3 million next year and could be owed $35 million in 2025 with a vesting option. I, the Mets, I think, would have to send a <laughs> lot of money with him to make, to make it palatable. And so I think there's a good chance he stays. I also think the Mets are like, this is not a rebuild for the Mets, right? Right. You know they're going to make a run at Otani. You know they're going to like they're going to they're trying to win, and so I don't know that they like. I don't know what that conversation Scherzer's had when he said he had to talk to the front office. Um, they may have gotten a clear message from him that he wanted out, and Max mm. Scherzer does not strike me as the kind of person you want in your clubhouse if he doesn't want to be there. And so, I I suspect that played a role. Um. I think Verlander, like, they're going to need pitching next year. And so I They need pitching now. So Well, they need pitching now, but they're not going to go get it now. So I I think Verlander is likely to stay put. That's what I think. Interesting. Yeah, no, I I actually agree with that because the more I thought about it, you're right. This is not a rebuild. They just spent a lot of money. A lot of their offensive pieces are currently in their prime, right? Lindor, Alonso, they're not old. They're not getting any younger. Your window to contend is right now, regardless of how good the Braves are. And it's it's just a one-year deal after this. 
You know what I mean? Like it's, it, this is not like you have to get Verlander off the book so you can focus on other things. I think, I think there's a real likelihood if they traded him now, come April, they'll probably be like, man, I, I wish we had Justin Verlander on a one year deal, regardless of how much it costs. Um, so th- that's a, that's a real chance that Verlander doesn't move. But I will say the two teams that are kicking the tires on him, the Dodgers and the Astros, they could just blow the Mets away um, and, and certainly bring him in. I would not be surprised to see that. Yeah. Um, the, the other, other names on here. here. No, go ahead. I think, I think Edrod is, you know, I know you want him back in, in Boston, but I think Baltimore makes a ton of sense for him. Um, to restart his career. He, right. He came up through that organization. I think that you could, they've had, they've had so many of their, like these pitchers who they tried to develop and failed. And then they went off to have success anywhere, anywhere else. Countless. Like, maybe they just Countless. get one of them back and, and, and feel <laughs> like, Hey, nice. this guy helped us out at least. Um, <laughs> but I think, like, I think he makes a lot of sense from that perspective. He's, he's got, how long is he under contract for? Like three more years. If he opts in, he's got a player option. It's like a player option, three years, right. 49 million or something like that. So that's the, yeah, I guess that's the big question is what do, what are the chances he opts in? Um, Cause I think that if they could keep him around, although looking at that contract boy, I think he would opt out, wouldn't he? I would think so. He's, he's, he really is having a phenomenal season. I'm trying to find the details on the opt out because I don't I can't see what everything is but uh, is expected yeah so they are expecting him to exercise the opt out clause after this season and that's basically why they're shopping him um it sounds like which makes sense because if they, if they thought he was sticking around, I don't know why they'd be shopping him. He's he fits a need for them, but yeah, he he makes I think he makes a ton of sense in Baltimore. I said like I think Snell does too. Um, Cease, I kind of think Cease makes the most sense in like I don't know. I maybe there's some you know maybe the the White Sox and Dodgers can figure out something there too but like i kind of think cease needs to go somewhere with a, a pitching coach or a pitching organization that can help him work some stuff out because even last year when he was so good um he still like did i think he led the led the league in walks last year yeah like there's clearly some mechanical stuff that he could still improve and it's and it's hurting him this year and i don't think it's a huge surprise so i think he could really benefit from going somewhere that he can get some help. And so I would love to see him go to Houston, to the Dodgers, uh, the Diamondbacks. If the Diamondbacks are still buying and could use pitching, like I, they've done some good things. And so I could see them. I don't think Miami needs pitching. Um, Tampa, I guess, but I don't think Tampa's going for him now. I I think there's, I, I, that's basically what it comes down to is like for, for me, from a fantasy perspective, if Cease is getting traded, I care more about what the organization does with him than I do about what like park he's pitching in or anything like that. Yeah, that's a totally fair way to look at it. I I think the White Sox need to hold on. I mean, maybe for Cease's sake, he needs to go to a, a better organization. But like, this is your guy, and and this is a team that should be pretty. I know they're in, an amazing disaster this year, 
But like, I, I don't know what the line was set in the Vegas sports books, but they are going to way miss their over under total. They're going to be way under their win total um, in terms of what was actually expected from them. And so if you're still trying to contend, which if you're the White Sox, you should. I know that they have a lot of problems, but when you have good players, those problems will figure themselves out. And he still has three years of arbitration. This is not some like rental. This is a pitcher who was dominant last year, despite the hiccups, despite the underlying numbers. He was very good. He's gone through stretches this year that has reminded us of just how good he is. And so unless it's an amazing package that's really going to change your fortunes, like he's the type of guy that I would want to. I would want to hold on to kind of similar to that Verlander one. So maybe we do see that. Maybe we see these teams holding on. Um, and I could also see in the Blake Snell situation, AJ Preller just kind of being in denial and, and, and holding on and seeing if they can make a run here because they've invested so much into that organization. Um, I, I guess the, the, we've really hit on the starting pitchers here, but the, the one name that's not a starting pitcher is Josh Hader. Um, I, I wouldn't rule out the Yankees. Um, I don't, this is an organization that is not used to having trouble at the back end of games. They have a lot of issues and what needs to be addressed first and foremost, this off season is the offense, obviously built up around Aaron judge, but hater go makes your back end of the bullpen go from one of the worst situations in baseball to literally one of the top three best, um, I know as a whole, they have pieces that are pretty good and they're going to get Jonathan Loisica back, but I'd be interested to see if they end up playing, making a play for Hader, extending him, whatever the case may be. Um, Cause that, that's a team that needs a closer among many other things. Yeah. I, realistically, I mean, the Padres are five games out. They seem to be saying they are not intending to sell. And so I, you know, it's another boring answer, but I I think Hater stays put. I just don't think they trade him. I, I don't I don't think that team is is in a position right now where the thing they want to be doing is selling. Yeah, I they they've invested so much. The Juan Soto window is closing. I I don't think they're going to be able to bring him back. And like you look at that roster on paper, it still probably is again on paper, one of the best rosters in baseball, right? I mean, it's ridiculous. So I would be surprised only five games out, five and a half out, whatever it is, if they, if they decide to go for it. Um, Cause certainly trading away Snell or hater is, is waving the flag of we're, we're done here. I think that pretty much wraps up this list. Chad, before we call it quits on our trade deadline episode, anything you got to add while I double check the news here? Yeah, I was double checking the news as well. I, I don't I don't really have anything else to add. I, I don't think we're going to see anything too big the, in the next 24 hours. I just like, I don't, because I don't think Verlander's getting dealt. I, I don't think that that Snell gets dealt. I don't think Cease gets dealt. I just don't know that I see a lot of like big deals still yet to happen, which leads me to believe that someone like Eduardo Rodriguez is going to return a really nice return because somebody who needs pitching is going to overpay for him or Lorenzen or whoever it is, because I just don't think there's going to be bigger names out there. 
it's probably a, a pretty good call. I'll, I'll end my own portion here with Red Sox. Please do something. Devers was saying like, hey, look, <laughs> getting Trevor Story back and getting Chris Sale back is, is good. But like we feel like we also want more that we've we've shown that we can get some more. And the Red Sox, to their credit, they've been pretty damn good this year. So come on, Heim, get us get us something. Get us something here. Um, that'll do it for us, folks. Thanks, as always, for listening. Please leave, leave us ratings, reviews, all that good stuff. Um, and we'll see you next Wednesday.